Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. All right, episode 33 of We Do Recover is underway. I'm your host of this thing, Jared Miller. Today I'm joined by the World Wide Web, your co-host, our medical expert, the doc, Terry Sellers. What's up? What's up, everybody? We also have in the studio the producer that makes this thing possible, Sean Denovan. If I don't push the buttons once, I push them twice. He's great at pushing buttons. And we have our featured guest, super excited, Julie Jackson. Julie Jackson is amazing. I can't wait to get to her story. Before that, this podcast is recorded in St. George, Utah. Episode 33, part one, is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. If you or a loved one need help, don't hesitate. Pick up the phone. Give them a call. 801-800-8142. I promise you won't regret it. Last night, I'm doing a family group at Steps. Julie Watson, you know Julie. Uh, so Julie absolutely. Jackson works at Steps. She's like a legend at Steps. Been there since... 2014. 2014. Julie Watson says, hey, Jared, you hungry? Grab a plate of food. So I'm thinking, you know, the place I went to treatment, that's like Lucky Charms or Honeycombs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, no. I walk around the corner and there's... Alfredo, chicken, vegetables, Caesar salad, green salad, four or five different kinds of dressings. I'm like, man, yeah, this is a resort. <laughs> so nice. Steps. Anyway, I'm I'm going on and on here, but Steps really is. They're amazing. Like they they, they do it the right way. The gold standard for sure. Yeah. So yeah. let's start it. Start off with some new and goods. Doctor Terry Sellers, it's new and good with you. How about how about old and bad? I, hey, old and bad's okay, too. That's actually the description of me right now. Um, so, yeah, I was planning on being in studio today and then kind of decided, I don't know if I'm going to make it down there because there was no place to stay. I guess all the lodging was, it must be spring break or something because I couldn't get a room anywhere. And then, so I'm driving home. I work in Richfield on Thursdays and I'm driving home and I get to Scipio and I'm going to get on I-15, and all of a sudden my car, my uh, warning system tells me that, that that I have low pressure in one of the tires, and pressure keeps going down, keeps going down, finally hits zero, and so I pull off the road. It wasn't driving funny, but I pull off the road, and the tire's flat, so I drove it back to Scipio, to the Flying J there. Well, of course, they don't have a tire. that They can't fix it, and they don't have a tire that they can do, and they can get a tire next Tuesday maybe. So anyway, I wound up calling roadside service for Mercedes-Benz, and they sent a truck out. But all that having been said, I didn't get home last night till like 1.30 in the morning. So I'm a little um, bushy-tailed this morning, but uh, other than that, everything's fine. My car's up in Mercedes-Benz of Draper getting a tire. Oh, man, that's bad juju. At least you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed this morning. <laughs> man. It's rough. Five hours in the uh, five hours in the. Uh, sorry, I'm, uh, I had a little delay there. Um, but I spent five hours in the truck stop at Incipio yesterday, just kind of wandering around inside. <laughs> sounds like fun. a party. That sounds like a party. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was great. All right, all right, Julie Jackson. Hi. Let's get you in the mix. What's new and good with you? What's going on in your world? You know, um, I'm just grateful. Life is good. Life is really good. Um, I always, uh, I always joke about, um, every day is good compared to where I've been, you know? Um, and, uh, I really don't have a whole lot to complain about some first world problems. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I, uh, we came down last night, um, brought my daughter and, and her best friend, um, our cute little friend Ashton and, um, and we're going to Colby Calais tonight. Um, so that's why we arranged to do this today. Um, we nice. brought the snow and the rain with us. Super happy to bring that to you from Utah County. Uh, we got to yeah. stop inviting yeah. those Utah County people uh, <laughs> down here to St. George, yeah. man. Yeah. You're going to get yeah. me kicked out of my own town. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. We had a nice day last night. Um, thank you, Hilton Garden Inn. Um, we were lucky to get a room. Thank you. Um, but yeah, life is good. Life is good. You I have... Uh, yep, I 
What? You got my room. <laughs> I do. Have <laughs> yeah. We have a rollaway. There's three of us in a king size bed. So we have the rollaway. You could have crashed on the rollaway, <laughs> sellers. Sure. Yeah, no. So I booked the room for you a ways out, and the, and seller said, "Hey, I'm coming down this weekend." So I called them back and said, and they were just completely out. Yep. So yeah, we tried to find any, somewhere, and there was nothing. Yeah. So you so. got a concert tonight? We have a concert tonight. Yep. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna go see the the Colby Calais at the Tuacon. Did so. you hear the country? My voice. A concert tonight. <laughs> I heard the country in your truck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can't. You can leave your your upbringings, but you can't. Yep. Yep. Wherever I go, there, there I am. There you are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you for the new and good. Yes. Excited. Excited for you for that concert tonight. Hopefully, it doesn't Thanks, get rained out fun. or nothing. Nah, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. It's awesome. Yeah. All right, Sean Denovan. What's new? I thought you skipped me, man. No. Because you should go to me, then you go to the guest. I, I'm and trying. It's a good to- transition to go to the guest. Now the guest is like, now you're throwing it back on me. I'm not the important one. <laughs> Everything's fine in my world. Okay, now go back to the show. There's no tie this week. <laughs> Let's go. Did the did the theory of last week of getting called professor by wearing a tie did that not work? Actually, no. I got my Moderna shot a couple days ago, and so I barely woke up this morning. Yeah. Oh. So yesterday I felt like a four by four hit my shoulder, and I was not. I'm not. I'm still can't raise my arm all the way up, but mm. I was just tired and weird, weird dreams, yeah. crazy, crazy stuff. Huh. You know, sometimes people pee in their dreams and then they pee in real life. No, 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 no. I'm going okay. I, I, had, I guess we're going here. We're going here. It's not even, as bad as you think. I don't even know what's happening right no, now. No, I had a dream that I was eating this weird fruit and I couldn't spit it out. So I went outside in my dream and spit it out. And I spit all over my arm in my dream. <laughs> like in, no, no, in real in life. Real life yeah, so I get arm. up to my wife and say, what are you doing? I said, I, uh, don't ask. Oh, that's awesome. That's too I'm like, I spit on myself. Like you spit, not like, like spit, like you couldn't, this is way more information than you wanted, but you know what? You asked, you, you like deviated from the plan. This is what you get, man. This is the golden stuff about these podcasts. I love it though. You know, just the stuff that's like, that comes to your brain. So he must not be in recovery because that's like nothing. To oh, us. no, no. I, I, I'm yeah. the normie as a, as I'm called here. So yeah. thank you. Thank You're you for welcome. That, and thank you for asking me and bringing me. I'm glad I can share the story with you. Namaste, brother. And I apologize to everybody. You know. Oh, hey, John, are you going to Colby Calais tonight? Am I going to Colby Calais? I don't have rich blood yeah. like that. That seems like that seems like right up your alley. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right. Well, I'm going to take the. Let's take it back here. I got a new and good. So my new and good is, um, I'm going to. Hey, Jared. What? What's new and good? Hey, thank you, Doc. I appreciate you asking. So I've always wanted to have like a LeBron James moment. Okay. You know, like when he left the Cavs and he went to Miami. And so I'm going to take my LeBron James moment and announce that I was offered a position at Steps Recovery Centers, working with families. And so, um, Sean, am I going to get sued if I say I'm going to take my talents down to Steps Recovery Center. <laughs> is that, is, no, is that, okay. So yeah. So excited with that. That's my new and good. I'm super excited. Can't wait. It's an amazing, amazing organization, amazing people there. And I am just, my heart is full of gratitude. I'm super grateful to, to be able to, to come on and, and work with people like Julie Jackson here. Thanks. So thanks. We're lucky to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. All right. Well, let's get underway with Julie Jackson. So Tell us a little bit about Julie. Kids, where you live. I do. I have two beautiful, beautiful children. Um, Alexandria and Sierra are the only two children that I know of that I have. Um, <laughs> they have uh, two amazing husbands. Not together. They each have one. Um, but the greatest thing that has <laughs> happened in my world is my, uh, my grandson, Theo, um, who is my absolute everything. Um, so my kids are wonderful. I love them. Um, but I... That, that grandson is everything. Theo's the one that's Theo, captured your heart. Theo is the, he's the only guy that is so far. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and like, I've tried, believe me. So it's, um, it's like the Apple upgrades, you know what I mean? Yes. You come out with the original <laughs> and then they have one and it's the 2.0 version and yes. you like it a little better. I get yes. it. Yes. Sounds no, like I've, pretty, pretty blessed. I, uh, I come from, uh, I grew up in Ephraim, um, come from a small town blood and um, I'm the fifth child of 10. I have wow. seven brothers and two sisters. Um, I grew up, uh, yeah, in Ephraim, absolutely loved it. I love that place. That's where uh, 
Uh, both my parents are are, uh, are buried. Um, and um, yeah, that's that's hometown. That's those are home roots for me. Um, St. George, I do. Uh, I I did live in St. George. Um, came here when I was seventeen. Have a couple ex husbands from here. <laughs> <laughs> no, she still has roots here. Is what she's trying to. She's Graduated trying to from Dixie, and we were sharing stories on the way over. But yeah, um, yeah. That's awesome. E yeah. from Utah. Yeah. I thought I smelled turkey <laughs> when I picked you up. So I got a quick little story. So I'm I'm out I'm out playing football at Snow College, right? And their practice field is right next to a big open farm field. Yes, it is. And what do they use to fertilize it? Turkey manure. manure. So we're out there running gassers, right? And I'm and just deep breathing and they're out there spreading, you know, turkey manure while yep. we're trying to practice. Yep. Gotta love you from Utah. Yep. 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 Welcome to St. George. So yes. did you contact your exes when you came back? Absolutely not. Hey, hey. No, no, one knows. <laughs> no one knows. That's awesome. That's awesome. This has been so much fun so far. So we got about uh, 14 and a half minutes here. What do you know about recovery from addiction, Julie Jackson? You know what? What I do know, Jared Miller, is that uh, we do recover. Um, the only thing I know is how women recover. Um, and we recover with a vengeance. Okay. Um, I usually say it a different way, but we're on the radio and it's recorded. <laughs> so I'm going to be politically correct. Um, talking about recovery um, is one of my favorite things in this world. Um, my children are the first, um, including Theo, of course, and then my kids, um, family. Um, but I absolutely love what I do uh, for a living. I love my job. Um, it's it's not really a job. It is, it's my life. Um, but I love it. Recovery... Um, what I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful today to know, um, to know what I, what I am and why. Um, but more importantly, I, I don't know a person alive that doesn't need, um, a program or that can't benefit from one. Um, treatment is, uh, is absolutely essential. Um, and through treatment, I found, um, a program that has helped me save my life, you know, got me back to a power greater than myself. And, um, but, uh, I do, I know a lot about addiction and I know a lot about recovery. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for that. That is, I'm going to use that as like the golden nugget, the little <laughs> clip, because that really was beautiful. Thank you. It, really, it was, it was. So you said something there that I've heard, uh, doc sellers say everybody could benefit mm -hmm. from going to treatment, like to take mm -hmm. time out of your, I mean, go ahead. You say it sellers. It's, it's your deal. Well, I, I, I do say it cause it, it happened to me, but. I think that at the, you know, when I went into treatment, I wasn't super excited about going in. I was sort of forced. I didn't want to be there. And then when I finished up treatment, I looked back and I thought, you know, if everybody could take 30 days out of their lives and just spend that time focusing on themselves, then the world would be a better place. Yeah. Whether you have substance abuse as an issue or whether you just have certain character defects, I think everyone could benefit from 30 days out of their adult life to focus on bettering themselves. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just think of it from like the behavioral model, like taking a look at and doing some interpersonal work. And why do I do this? Yeah. Why do look at your, the unhealthy coping strategies that w mm -hmm. which in addiction, it's substance abuse. We know that, but a lot of people don't even identify that when, when they feel stressed, when they feel lonely, when they feel whatever emotion they're going to we all cope we all have a yeah. way to cope what is yours right and so that's so powerful and so true if everybody could take 30 days and take a look at themselves and go how am i showing up what am i what coping skills am i using am i okay with those or do i want to change them do i want to find a healthier way right that's such a powerful thing it really is yeah. everybody could benefit from it yeah. where did addiction start for you though and you know share as much or as little as you want but like Cause we don't all just show up one day or wake up one day and go, eh, I, yeah. I think doing, you know, well, I did not, I did not uh, grow up saying, I really hope I, I grow up to be a heroin addict right? and a meth addict. And I really hope that I can become older and, and lose the faith of my family and children and, and, you know, have nowhere to live. And, and, uh, yeah, I, that wasn't like when that, you were in kindergarten I, and just, they asked, it what wasn't do you want to do? In, <laughs> it wasn't taught in, in, in the career, you know, program at school. No, right. it was not even in, even in, uh, you know, E from Utah, it was not, <laughs> um, it, uh, you know, as I've done a lot of work and as I've done a lot of, um, I have done treatment, um, a few times. And, um, as I've done a lot of work inside, um, I believe that the, the one thing that, uh, that it truly started with, um, 
was um, the lack of self-love, obviously. Um, I had a phenomenal growing up. I had great parents. I have a great family. Um, uh, it's, it's got nothing to do with that, <clears throat> but I never truly felt like I was enough. Enough. I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't thin enough. wasn't smart enough. Um, wasn't fast enough. wasn't strong enough. Um, and that doesn't come from anything except just just some situations that happened and some life events. But the first, back in the day when I was young, um, Sellers will know this because he's he's as old and older than I am. Um, <laughs> but um, is uh, Dexatrim used to 38 have thirty-eight years of age. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dexatrim had Dexedrine in it, and um, and and it was a diet pill that they sold over the counter. Um, and so I I believe. Initially, the first initial uh, drug of choice for me was um, my ability to control what went in my body as far as food. So there was no doubt there was an eating disorder that was the very first thing. Um, but it started for me personally with that, um, with um, caffeine and nicotine, which are incredibly powerful. Um, but um, the first drug I, I actually took, partook in was uh, alcohol. I was 15 years old. Um, this is, uh, many have heard this repeated um it's a miller genuine draft and a 73 ford bronco <laughs> on a friday night <laughs> that sounds like my kind of country song to be to be completely honest but it was it was something you know that alcohol hit my body and something happened something changed something shifted um i had a reaction to that that everything was okay everything was okay and I've spent the last, you know, since I was 15 chasing that. Um, and I found it in pill powder, liquid and leaf and, uh, and behavior and it, and it, and nothing satisfied it, you know? Um, but that's where it started, um, was with alcohol at 15. Yeah. Alcohol at 15. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. such an influential age too. Like, yes. obviously you're not old enough to buy it, so you don't have to, you know, throw out anybody's name but was your social circles right oh, biopsychosocial your social circles was it mm -hmm. kind of a thing yeah yeah we had we had our ways we had our ways in fact i moved to saint george when i was 17 and um and i was never id'd for alcohol but i was always id'd for cigarettes yeah Cr when i lived down crazy. here yeah that yeah. is that is yeah so crazy yeah at those ages so yeah um, so 15 first tried sounds like you were kind of running in those social circles and for you it sounds like I really want to say peace of mind or kind of that social anxiety it relieved that for you yeah. it was kind of the aha yeah. moment so where did it go from there so it from there it was it was alcohol was the main problem I was never a real huge fan of of pot um that was really all that was there you know we experimented with psychedelics and stuff like that <clears throat> but it wasn't until I moved to St. George and um about the age of 21 that I was introduced to cocaine and um, back in those days, we had uh, stuff that they brought in from California, and, and um, you know, it was peanut butter crank, and <laughs> there's some real, I'm there's old. Some, I'm old. <laughs> it was, uh, <clears throat> and methamphetamine, yeah. then I, I mean, that was, that was the deal breaker. That was a game changer um, for me. The speed was a game changer. Um, it kind of cured the alcohol problem, plus alcohol made me fat, and I didn't ever want to be, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want that to happen. Um, and so speed was definitely a game changer. Yeah. So to kind of take the power away from the substance and put it more kind of on the what was going on behind the substance, it sounds to me like the body image, like I, if, it, oh, if, the, if the shirt doesn't fit, please take it off and throw oh. it back at me. But you struggled with a little bit of self-esteem around body image and, and social absolutely. anxiety, things like that. Yeah, but never really knew that because I was good at what I did. I could fit in everywhere. I fit in everywhere I went. I fit in at church. I fit in in social settings. I was a good athlete. I, you know, I, I was a cheerleader. I played on the basketball team. I was National Honor Society. So amidst all of the insanity, going on in this young teen's mind and young teen's age, um, you know, I, I still had on the surface, everything was fine. Everything was fine. Where in the, on the inside, you know, um, I wanted to die. I wanted to die. And right. I, and I didn't even realize how much I wanted to die. A disastrous relationship, you know, that ended up in, 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 in domestic violence and, um, at a very young age, you know, so I just, it, it just, it, it goes to show, which I later learned in life, that the drugs and alcohol had nothing to do with it, you know? Um, and again, that isn't blame on anybody. It's not about a family or it's not about church. It's not about this or that. It, it literally is is just how it was and, and how I chose to cope. 
And my coping mechanism, you know, was was different. And it was a little louder than others and turned a little bit more disastrous, you know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, Isn't it? I, I think it's crazy how a lot of what's going on in our internal world, right? Like the insecurities that we have, the fears that we have manifest in our outside world. Absolutely. Because it's like you're saying at first in your outside world, I could fit in in any social circle. Mm -hmm. I was an athlete. I was a cheerleader. Yep. I was yep. honors. National honors. National society. honors society. Like yep. yet all these things in yeah. your outside world, yep. but because your inside world was incomplete or you didn't feel like you were enough. Mm -hmm. Fast forward a few years, right? All that stuff starts manifesting in your outside absolutely, world. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, even to this day, if if we don't take care of the little things, the big things are the are not possible. And that's my experience. Um, and that's that inside job. Um, and and I've learned that, you know, and 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 tried to instill that in, in others, and and especially, you know, my children and um, and. And, and anybody I come in contact with, that's, that's the important stuff is this inside stuff. All that outside stuff just doesn't matter. So if you have a young Julie Jackson, who's listening to this right now, and then I love part two, because it's like, we get the heavy stuff over in part one, we get to talk about recovering what you're doing today in part two. But before we go there, what would your message be to a young Julie Jackson who's struggling who's in that same spot of, Hey, I'm fitting in, in all these social circles. My outside world's looking good, but I'm crushed on the inside. I feel incomplete. I feel like I'm not enough. What would your message be to that? That you, young Julie, you are enough. You have always been enough and you will always be enough. You are enough and find the people that help you believe that find the people that nurture that part of you stay away from the people that don't. I love that. I love that. My dad always taught me when I was growing up, there's two kinds of people. There's builders and there's breakers. Mm -hmm. And it takes weeks, months, yeah. sometimes years for things to be built. Yep. You know, how long does it take a skyscraper to get built? Yeah. And yet how fast can they demolish those exactly. things? Exactly. So it's kind of a cool little life lesson. Yeah. Thanks pops. Love you. Right. But I mean, that's exactly what I feel like you're talking about. Search out those builders in life. Yeah. Stay away from the breakers. So I love that. Any thoughts, Dr. Sellers? No, I think that's a, a I think that's good advice, but it's also hard to follow. Mm -hmm. Like we, we gravitate towards people that make us feel how we feel about ourselves for the most part. Yeah, good point. So yeah, it's, it's pretty natural to gravitate towards people that will tear you down if you're yep. tearing yourself down. Yep. But I think it's great advice. Like if you want to get, if you want what someone else has, you hang around someone else. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want a, a life that's similar to what someone else is living, spend some time with them, hang out with them. And if you don't want a life that someone's living, then don't spend much time with them or they'll influence you and drag you down. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's good advice. There's a lot of truth to that. It reminds me of that saying, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your projection in yeah. life. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the people that you hang around end up rubbing shoulders with you and, and it, it's transference, right? It rubs off on you. So yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, counting yeah. down. It's good, it's good advice we could teach our kids for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like hang out with people that make you feel better about yourself. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, so I'm going to ask you, okay. let's lead you up into basically like, what did it take for you to acknowledge that you had a problem in that transition into Sur sur surrendering and moving into recovery. What was that for you? Uh, my family did an intervention um, because my life wasn't unmanageable. It was for them, but it wasn't for me. Um, <laughs> and that was in 2000. Um, I had two, my girls were very young and, um, and um, I was, uh, I was a little out of control. Um, meth was my drug of choice and um, alcohol. And uh, my family did an intervention. My little sister had just been married. Um, apparently, um, I didn't look so hot. Apparently, things weren't going so well. <laughs> <laughs> but in your mind, I bet you were. You in know, my mind, everything rocking. was just fine. Yeah, everything was just fine. Um, it was quite a. It was quite an ending to that. To that one, I'd like to say that that was the final chapter, but it was not. Um, were there attempts beforehand? Like, were there times that people brought it to your attention or talked to you? There about really it wasn't. There really, there really wasn't. I, I believe that um, you know I could always kind of hide under being a single mom and 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 working real hard. I was in college. I was getting a graduate degree. 
Um, I'd always been able, again, keeping that outside right, you know, and keeping that outside straight. Um, if there was, they, they, my mom and dad had tried a couple of times within those, you know, those couple of years to, uh, to intervene, um, but they didn't, they didn't until my father's birthday, August 23rd of 2000. Way cool. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to get that coming up in part two. Yeah. I love that. If you're listening to this, please like, comment, share. You never know who Julie Jackson is going to touch with her <laughs> message of strength and hope. We'll see you guys in part two of episode 33 after a short message from our You are sponsors. listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery, and once you become the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times, and it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right. Thank you, Devin Lomax, for that uh, for that great little sponsorship mention. And we're back to episode 33, part two. It's brought to you by the Hilton Garden Inn in St. George, Utah. If you're traveling through Southern Utah, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn, St. George, Utah. They have amazing amenities. It's always so clean. It's, they're always so friendly, willing to go above and beyond with their customer service. That's, to me, that's the important stuff. That's what really sets an organization apart. How well are you with your people? Hmm. So, all right, Julie Jackson, you led us up to the intervention. Sounds like your parents were a little bit aware. They kind of knew what was going on. Yeah. But it hadn't quite got to the point where it was bad enough that you were needing to make that that leap that change yeah so what did you mention the date what was the date august 23rd of 2000 was uh, my is my father's birthday and uh they came and and usually it was my mom that um had divine intervention you know my you don't mess with moms right um and um that day my father sat up they had just been to my little sister's wedding reception in idaho um, and he sat up in bed. They were in the little America. I was living in a little apartment by, uh, by a trolley square up in Salt Lake. Um, and, um, and he said, today's the day, today's the day we go get her. Um, and, um, ironically that day, um, I had, uh, been taken to court by Alex's father, um, for full custody. And, um, I was supposed to respond and appear, but by two o'clock that afternoon, my parents showed up, um, scooped me up, scooped up my other daughter. Um, Alex was with her dad and um, they took me to their house. They'd arranged for a residential treatment center. Um, and um, five days later, I, I went into treatment. So good old, good old county treatment in Utah County. So that's, yeah. that's, that was treatment for you. Huh? That was, that was residential treatment for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was able to stay clean um, seven and a half years from that point on. Um, me and those two girls, we lived in that house in Provo, um, incredibly blessed. Um, the greatest thing treatment gave me was um, introduction to a 12-step program, um, which I am incredibly grateful for, powerful women and men. Um, but treatment was essential. I went in for 30 days. Terry talked about, you know, how we can, anybody could do 30 days. I, I went for 30 days and stayed four months and they're oh, like, wow. Julie, you got to go. Like you got, you, <laughs> you loved it there then. I did. I did. Well, I was scared, you know, yeah, I'd been it. able to function on, uh, on a lot of, uh, uh, in a lot of ways. And the only threat I had was my mother who said, you leave this place, you'll never see your children again. Um, and, and that was the only threat. I didn't have law. I didn't have judges. I didn't have, you know, um, and, um, and I believed her. I believed her. To a mom, though, that's probably the most powerful threat, right? It was. Right? It like, was. I, I it got was. to a point, look, <clears throat> for me, I got to a point where I, I think 
I was so broken when I went in front of a judge. Mm-hmm. He said, Mr. Miller, we don't know what to do with you. You, you just are unwilling to change. Yeah. And I said, you know, he said, maybe some jail time would be good for you. And I said, <laughs> disrespectfully, and I regret this uh, looking back, but I said to him, great, send it. I'll, I'll play, you know, I'll play some cards and drink some coffee. Like, yeah. and so it's looking back on that, had I maybe had the intuition to realize how many lives I was damaging yeah. my kids specifically, I would have realized and had something a little higher than that over my head. Yeah. So, and I also loved how you touched on your family kind of get, got their ducks in a row. A lot of times family members get to a point where they don't know what to do. And I really think that it's important. You understand, get something set up, right? Get Mm -hmm. some things in place. I understand a lot of times enabling or just trying to be a peacekeeper as we talk about the different roles in the family, uh, but you can only do that for a while. Yeah. So get them set up on some insurance, contact steps, contact some treatment, and really have that avenue set up. And it sounds like the inter- or the intervention was pretty, pretty prompt, right? Had they done a lot of work before the actual intervention? They, they, my mother had researched. Yeah. So methamphetamine back then, you know, this is twenty years ago, right? And um, they weren't, you know, they weren't super aware of the. the what was happening with the side effects that she, I remember her telling me she Googled the CDC and, and, um, and, and Googled the information on, on methamphetamine. And she said, you know, Julie, the only thing I know that how I can possibly understand what is happening to your brain and your body on this drug is that you will never truly enjoy chocolate cake. Like I do. And, and, and I know how much my mother loved chocolate cake. That's pretty good insight. And I like the comparison. But, but but she was, she was, it was accurate and, um, and it's right. I mean, the receptors and the, you know, the, the damage done to the body. Um, so they, they really didn't, they told me I had needed to detox, you know, before I went in. And that was, you know, I remember, I remember going to mom and dad's house and, and I had my, my Sierra with me and Alex and, and my brother's kids were there, they were traveling and, um, and I remember sleeping for a few days um, at the time, um, and um, waking up. And I remember, um, I remember my Sierra um, was three years old, and I remember brushing her hair um, for the first time in like a really long time. Um, I had neglected so many things and so much. Um, I'd been up for thirteen days, um, and um, it was not pretty, you know. Um, but they were incredibly supportive and loving. I slept, um, and I needed to have a few days clean before I could get get into the residential treatment center. Um, I remember my mom was Relief Society president at the time, and um, she asked me what I needed to detox, and I said, you know, I, all I really need is sweet tarts, some dark chocolate, and some camel Turkish silver cigarettes. That's all I need. And some Coca-Cola. That's all I need. So she went to the supermarket and little town store in Ephraim and, and she asked for the, the carton of cigarettes and the guy said, Patty. And she said, give me the damn cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I love that. and, uh, and I smoked every one of them, smoked every one. They weren't what I wanted, but I smoked every one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was the beginning of that. You know, I went there again, I went for 30 days and um, family nights, families is an incredible part of it. You know, my father was a psychologist and a marriage and family therapist. Um, no one's immune to this. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't depict, it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't give two cents where you come from, who you are. Um, you know, my legal issues came later in life. Um, they happened. It isn't a matter of if it's when, if you pick back up, if I pick back up, um, and I'm fully aware of that, you know, um, but it was such an incredible foundation um, for the family um, and, and, and for all of us. You know, the information is powerful. Information is powerful. And the family has an option to get support, too. There's support groups for them. And they ruined my using. Al-Anon ruined my using. How dare they? How dare they teach my mother how to say no? You know, how dare um, you take away our ability to be emotional <laughs> exactly. terrorists? We like our emotional terrorist exactly. role, Al-Anon and, you know, you Sara and some of these exactly. places go educate our families on how yeah. to get us help. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I, you got some emotion came up for you as, yeah. as you were talking about, I smoked every one of those cigarettes yeah. and I just want to point out, I know the, the message behind that is. Your mom, who's a Relief Society president at the time, swallows her pride, yeah. 
goes and asks for those, like how much strength and how much unconditional love must that have taken to be okay with herself enough to do that, right? Like you are more important than her ego. Mm -hmm. You are more important than... I can't look in the eyes because I'm, <laughs> I'm one of those guys that if you start getting emotional, I'll get emotional with you. But that's super cool, though, because yeah. I come from a family that same thing, great family, LDS back, background and some of the stuff that I put my family members through that yeah. they've same thing. They've had to swallow their pride and, you know, yeah. do what's best for us. It's a beautiful thing. It is. It is. And um, and I think that's the hard part, right, is when they pass. My mother's no longer here. And um and uh, I think that's the, the reality, you know, that's the reality of the, of the, the destruction that we do. And um, thankfully, I have a program that I can work on and, and I don't have to continually beat the crap out of myself for those days that I, I wish I could get back that I can't. Right. Yep. Um, but uh, but it's 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 gratitude and peace and love. And um, I'm incredibly grateful for that, because when my mother was done, my mother was done. And she mixed no words. Yeah. And um, and that's what saved my life this last go around. So That's probably where you get your strength from. Oh, that's I where you get your Absolutely. pizzazz and your zazz from. It's from mom. <laughs> yes. She'd be so proud of you, Julie. She really would. Thank you. She would. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Doc Sellers, let's get you in the mix. Any thoughts, buddy? I, can I... <laughs> well, my internet's a little glitchy today, which is why I haven't chimed very much, but... A um, couple of thoughts. First is I remember once I saw a Facebook meme that said, I don't understand. Uh, uh, oh, my gosh. I just lost a word. I don't understand interventions. What is the purpose of a room full of people telling you not to drink when they are the very reason that you drink in the first place? <laughs> I almost had water come out my nose. Right? <laughs> I, I would have loved that. And then my other observation is I want to point this out in case it it slipped by everyone's ears. But I think in the first part of the podcast, you asked Julie to take her shirt off and throw it at you. What? You might Wait, want to what? reset that comment. You might want to go back and <laughs> what you said. Okay, it's figurative, <laughs> sellers, okay? And it was just meant like I'm going to throw something out there. If it doesn't fit, right, then feel free to discard it. That's it, take it off and throw it at me, he said. <laughs> oh, boy. Leave it up to Doc Sellers, huh? Oh, man. Uh, well, He's on one today, got, even, over, even over World Wide Web. Yes, yeah, I haven't chimed in very much because I can't, I'm worried that my glitchiness is going to make it too awkward if I do. So I'll talk when I have sentences or paragraphs, but not when I have words, a couple of words. So I think it's awesome. interruptive. I've enjoyed the story, but fun. Yeah. So uh, we we got 13 minutes left or so. Um, where do we go? What are you doing today, Julie? What's uh, Tell us the big stuff that's in your life that wouldn't have been there if you hadn't gotten clean and sober. Thank you. I will. Um, so, yeah, I stayed clean seven years. Um, I got in a couple car accidents. Um, I was uh, working at UVU, one of the, the jobs that I absolutely loved. Um, and um, I went back out. Um, I stopped going to meetings, stopped calling. Number one, the first thing I stopped doing was communication with a power greater than myself, which um, I am so grateful for today. Um, and um, it took me six years to come back. Um, by then, I was fully addicted to heroin um, and meth. Um, and um, I didn't. my parents didn't have at that point, they didn't have, uh, I'd sent Sierra to live with her f- father who had gotten sober um, a few years before I did. Um, and, um, by that point, my oldest had moved in, um, with, with her boyfriend's family. Um, and I, my father passed my father, it'll be uh, 11 years, 10 years, excuse me. He passed in 2011. I was still in active addiction. Um, so my last, uh, my last hit of dope was August 3rd of 2012. So, um, by God's grace, I've not had to take a, a, a mind altering substance since August 4th of 2012. Um, but we didn't have a, they didn't have a Julie Jackson to call. They didn't have a, a Mitch Payne to call. They didn't have a, you know, a, a Ty Hansen that, that, uh, that knew somebody, um, or a Jen Jones, a Jen Jones. That's I right. love Jen Jones. Um, you know, they didn't, I, they didn't have that. I, their daughter was addicted. You know, she had, I had a healthy habit, a really heavy habit, um, fearful of withdrawal. Uh, the methadone clinic was the second go around. 
um, for me. Um, I went to a methadone clinic and only because I had been um, detained at a big box store on Martin Luther King Day of uh, 2010 um, with shoplifting charges. Um, so at 44, you know, I'm, I'm in front of a judge with some shoplifting charges. Um, apparently you, you really can't steal from those places when you're, when you're dope sick. Um, it's not recommended. Um, but a boyfriend had warrants. They took him. Um, the first call I made was, uh, was to my brother who, um, is, uh, also sober at this time. Um, and, uh, he helped me out. Um, then told me he wouldn't say anything to my mother, then called my mother, Mm. um, ratted on me. Um, but, uh, but I, it got me to a clinic and um, so I could get regularly drug tested. I was ordered to go to my meetings. Um, I forged all my meeting sheets. So was all that court ordered because of the theft charges that you received? Yes, not the clinic, but the clinic was uh, to help me get off the heroin. Right, just to so, mm-hmm. um, but it, I physically. Didn't, I didn't have any insurance. I didn't have any, any way. I didn't have any way of getting that kind of help. Um, and, and I didn't want to be sick. I was afraid right. of, I didn't understand what I was into for that last year that I'd been doing that. Um, and, um, so I started the, the therapy at the clinic is what saved my life. Um, I'm not here to debate MAT. I, it is what it is. And I support it a, a hundred million times. Um, I've watched it work amazing things in people's lives. Um, my story has it included in it. Um, and it was absolute hell coming off of, um, but it got me back into therapy. It was quarter, it was mandated once a week in order to get the, the methadone. Um, and I went back to the rooms that, um, that saved my life. Um, I had a sponsor at the time that I've known for, for, uh, for 20 years. Uh, she's been my sponsor for 18 years. Um, she told me to call her every day for a year or she was done. Um, and I did like my life depended on it. Um, I went back to meetings, um, and, um, and got to, got to do that part of it, you know? Um, yeah, started off at a, at a, at a warehouse job. Um, so when I have clients that come in and, and people in recovery that's, that are brand new that say, I'm not willing to, to, to compromise and work at that job or this job at that job. No, that's not going to fly with me. Yeah. Anything you put before your recovery, you will yeah. lose. Yep. I made $8 an hour on a production line. I got news for you. <laughs> right, right. Oh, you were expecting some sympathy for me? Exactly. <laughs> so in 2014, I was approached uh, by the owner of Steps and, uh, and asked to run an outpatient and a sober living. Um, it's where I met uh, uh, Paul Walkenhorst, um, who owned the houses. Um, Ty Hansen came on a little bit after after I did. Um, and I'm actually, uh, you know, I, I'm over director of operations and director of outpatient services and sober livings. We have places from Murray to, to St. George. Um, Steps is family. Steps is home. Um, I uh, I made it my, my life. Um, we've you know, I've, I've worked through some of that with my kids, um, much like my father was helping kids when he was a therapist and not saving his own child. I've been called on the carpet many times about saving other people and not being there um, for my children. But uh, 2016 was uh, a hell of a year. Uh, I turned 50. Um, um, I was dating a guy. Uh, he was murdered. Um, and uh, a week later, I my mother passed. Um and, um, yeah, kind of the one, two count, got a, got a one, two, one, two count, one, two punch. Um, yeah. and, um, at the time I was, uh, living with the women at sober living that I was in charge of. So I've been there, done that as well. Um, have incredible family. Um, but you know, the beautiful thing about it was I didn't get to do that with my father. Uh, but I got to be there for my mom. I got to be there at her last breath. Um, I got to be there and I got to be present. Um, and I would have never been able to do that if I hadn't have hadn't have had an opportunity to get clean. I just want to point out something you said, because it's huge. You got to be there. Mm-hmm. More importantly, you got to be present, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because a lot of times we can justify and say, well, you know, I was there, I was, yeah. I was still around, but how present were you? Right? Not very. Yeah. Not but very. you were able to give that to your mom on her deathbed. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's yeah. absolutely beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. You're welcome. Thank you. I also want to point out one thing that, that she talked about because people do debate Matt. They debate medication-assisted treatment. And she also said that I loved the counseling or the therapy mm-hmm. is what saved my life, mm-hmm. right? Because it's medication-assisted treatment. Mm-hmm. It's not miracle drugs. Mm-hmm. You don't just take them and, and 
and Dr. Sellers, I'm probably still in your thunder on this. A lot of this I've learned from you, but the, the combination of taking it so that physically you're able to function, basically get through the day, but more importantly, the counseling behind it, mm-hmm. the social circles behind it, yeah. getting back into the mix of life. Dr. Sellers, let's get your spin on that. Well, it's my, uh, uh, I, you know, I was reading a book in early recovery that was called The Soul of Recovery, and it was in my therapist uh, counselor's office. And I remember vividly reading this paragraph on page 110, on the bottom left corner of page 110 of a book called The Soul of Recovery. And I'll paraphrase it, um, but it basically said that if there's ever a magic pill invented that cures addiction, what we will have is people walking around with their symptoms eased just enough that they don't have to do the transformative work necessary to make their lives whole again. And it, it is a bit my feeling on maps to some degree, although I think there's the reason there's such a great debate on Matt is because there's camps of people that believe you have to do it one way or you have to do it another way. And the truth is whatever works is what works for you. It might be Matt and it might not be Matt. It might be total abstinence. It might not be total abstinence. And I think that, you know, the way that works for me might not work for you and that's fine. But you know, for me, um, I'm better off if I don't touch any mind-altering substances. I just think my life is better that way. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. That beautifully said. So take us out here, your life in recovery today. Like, what is it you love the most about your job, Julie Jackson? What is it? I keep saying her name because she really is like, I don't <laughs> think people appreciate the, the, the level of people I'm bringing in here. She is a titan in the industry. She's amazing. What is it that? that really gets you up and gets you going in the morning? Because like you said, you're living in your passion. You know, um, I don't, I hope I never know that I'm a Titan. I hope I, and I say that with all the humility, um, because the bot, at the end of the day, I'm, 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 a, I'm a junkie trying not to die. You know what I mean? One day at a time. And just for today, I, uh, I have some hope. Um, I absolutely love the people. My home base is in, is in Orem. Um, but I visit residentials. Um, we have the outpatient in Murray. Um, and then again, St. George, that is just absolutely beautiful. The people, um, the clients, I, I love drama. I love chaos. I thrive in it. Um, it's sick and <laughs> it's twisted. It's your EOC, your emotion it, of it, choice. It, it is. But the bottom line is, is that um, these people help me stay clean one day at a time. And I am so grateful for that. Um, I don't ever want to forget where I came from. Um, and I believe it's my duty to give to others what was freely given to me. Um, And yes, I work in a treatment facility. Yes, I work for a treatment program, which I never wanted to do, by the way, ever wanted to do. Um, And I can't imagine my life any other way without it. Um, The people I work for um, give. They give to the less fortunate. They give to those in need. Um, I have watched countless acts of service. Um, I have watched countless lives changed. Unfortunately, we've buried a few. Um, and, um, this disease is, is insidious and it lies in wait. Um, but the passion of the people is why I do it. Um, I love it. I love it. That's amazing. You said I work for steps and their family. They are family. And I believe that they give to less fortunate and I believe that they do a lot of service because they offered me a job. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, you're a tax write off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for that. There's that one employee that we get to have every. (laughs) Uh, This has been fun. It's been too fun. So, today, the things that you're doing, the lives that you're touching, I just want to share that I'm extremely grateful for it. Thank you. You know, I think a lot of times, yeah, sure. We it's, isn't it crazy that they pay us to do yes. this? Like it's yeah. nuts, right? Like I would, yeah. I would do this for yeah. free, but yeah. I mean, I have bills yeah. I have to pay, but, but we get to do that today and yeah. that's amazing. So yeah. thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks. Dr. Sellers, anything you got to. No, I, I appreciate our guests for coming on. I think that's a fun perspective. And I think the, um, I think we do sometimes forget how different everybody's recovery is. I was struck when she said in the beginning of the episode when she said how women recover fiercely 
And, you know, obviously that's not quite universal, but it's interesting to note that everybody recovers a little bit differently. And some people recover, you know, in a way that's not exactly your way. And yep. so they must be wrong. And I think that's a problem. That's, I think, however people recover is how they should recover. Even if it is with a vengeance. Yep. Right? Yep. Every- it is with them. Absolutely. Everybody's recovery looks different and the paths to it are, are widespread. And, and, and I'm just grateful that there, those opportunities are there for everyone. Everybody's looks a little bit different and that's what makes it so beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. So you plan on playing some softball, some silver softball? Oh yeah. Coming we up? start the weekend of April 16th. Yeah. Nice. Up in Utah County. Yeah. Nice. Too bad you weren't playing down here. I'd love to strike you out. We'll be, we'll be down to p- help play. Yeah. Yeah. So, so be, you pre- will be. be prepared. So oh, this, yes. this, this match might happen. That match just happened. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Julie Jackson, if people are listening and they want to get a hold of you, <laughs> how do they get a hold of you to help a loved one or a family member? 801-427-0416. Thank you. Phone. Thank you. Thank you so much. And then what's Steps' website, email? It's the best way to get in touch with them. www.stepsrc.com. And my email is juliej, J-U-L-I-E-J, at stepsrc.com. Thank you for that. And let this, let this episode be a lesson to some families out there, right? Take the next step, get a hold of steps, get a hold of some insurance. A lot of things happen between the intervention and and getting them actually into treatment. So be proactive, right? Some proactive accountability, set them up, get them some help. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right. Dr. Sellers, you want to take us out? Yeah, thanks for everybody for listening. Julie Jackson, Steps Recovery Center. And we will be back next week with another episode of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Episode 34, we got Susan Peterson coming on. She's with the Sobriety Foundation. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.